Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast, brought to you by the Evergreen Network. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment, and your host for Media Mavens Podcast. What's going on, Joey? Oh, feeling very good. It's starting to rain here in Tucson. No, Things not. are looking really good. Yes, no, it is. It? It's sunny yeah. here. Okay, so I feel like we're back in an AZ podcast. If some of our guests who are from Arizona in a weird way, from Homeland Security to Michelin Star Chefs, it cracks me up because this is a special one because we have Eric Kioski-Smith on here, who's a chief growth officer for Hound. And Eric, welcome to the show. But you're in Scottsdale. And before this podcast even started, or right as it started, you and Joe know each other. Yes. And I'm actually in Tempe, the home of ASU, the most innovative. Thank you. This is why I like you, because you went to ASU where I went. No, no, I didn't. I just worked near there. (laughs) Okay. We're going to say you went to ASU where I went, but it's okay. Semantics. Um, But we love ASU. We, uh, I also love U of A. In fact, the state of Arizona has become my adopted home. I moved here 20 years ago um, after working for Intel up in world headquarters in California. So I've moved around a bit, but Joe and I got to know each other because um, an agency I worked for, very, very talented gentleman named Louis Moses, and I went in and made a pitch to one of 14 agencies to help Pinell County rebrand themselves and put themselves on the global map. And we did our little corner of the job pretty well. And the people at Pinell County did an even better job and took the brand and took their message and have got a massive pipeline and just great stuff happening down there. So it was great working with Joe. And it's great seeing him again, too. Yes. Joe gets all the credit. No, Joey. I'm just Joey. I call him Joey. It's it's a whole family thing, Eric. You won't. (laughs) It's just crazy. So one of our other co-hosts, Michelle, who's taken a little hiatus to deal through the awards, started calling him Joey. So Joey just stuck. And some of our guests were just like, Joey, I don't know. It's a podcast. You can curse or drink. We don't care. We don't filter. But I love that you're an AZ guy and you knew Joe before. Most of our, a lot of our guests from sports entertainment I know coming on. So we're cracking up and cursing. But like this is the first time Joe actually knows a guest way before we even got on the show. I think that's kind of cool. But okay, so I know Joe has a serious, serious Sunday, Sunday look on his face. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And everything, but it's so fun to have you on air. But let's talk about him. So like, like you're obviously a marketing and brand guy because you and Joe have worked together to put Pinal County on the map together. Nice power team between you guys on doing that. But you're now working at Hound. I know you and I chatted a little bit because we're working on, it sucks that all of our conversations go back to COVID, but the commonality is we're all here. We're all getting through this. We're all trying to survive and grow and get back on our feet. And a lot of our guests have been amazing. But the fact that you are instrumentally involved with small businesses getting back in the market is so key right now to reviving our economy. If I'm not correct, this is what Hound's doing. You're giving the tools and resources to this businesses to expand their sales footprint or am I way off on this? You're close, but maybe... If I can twist that, we're what people would normally have called a SaaS company, software as a service. But being in business for four years, serving a particular vertical market, they kept saying, hey, we love what you guys do. We bring to that and our old name existing customers back in the door more frequently with our software. 
but they didn't want to keep running our software because they have to learn 20, 30, 40 packages nowadays, it seems. They also didn't want to keep paying us as a SaaS company. And oh, by the way, they wanted new customers as well. So what we did is we launched ourselves as Hound about 16, 17 months ago. So October 2019, right three months before the pandemic, built a new business model where we only get paid when we get a paying customer in the door. So it's a true performance-based marketing platform. And importantly, we also run it for them. So it's, we call it effortless and zero risk. And the concept is patent pending and people are eating it up, especially with COVID because the stress is up, the time is down, the employees to run software, many have been laid off. And these businesses are desperate to hold on to cash. They only pay us when we bring a paying customer in the door. So strangely, COVID, while we had to fight to survive, we figured out a path to do that. We then had to fight to help 1,000, 1,500 businesses to survive. And now our platform is helping them thrive. So a strange turn that COVID is difficult and terrible as it was for all the businesses and clearly the human cost we kind of turn it on its head now and it's actually helping us and many of our customers start to really roar back with the right tools in place. That seems like it's a risky business though. You know, I mean, I know you only get paid if we get paid, if we bring in customers, there's only so much you can do unless the customer just screws it up. But You're right, it is risky, but what's a bigger risk? Us doing that for them or them having to spend tens of thousands of dollars on advertising that they aren't sure is going to work. So for them, we've reduced the risk. We take the risk. The way we're going to be successful is by keep adding tools that work. If they don't work, we get rid of them. If there's customers where it's not a good fit, then we part ways. We don't hold them to contract, but they don't hold us to contract. And we will be successful when we get enough businesses on our platform. By successful, I mean absolutely self-sustaining we're not so far away from it. We built the model to be extremely efficient. We're keeping our team tight. We did have to lose some staff during the the last 12 months. I think every company I deal with has. And we've got eight players on the team. And if we can turn this corner and be profitable at what we do, game's over. We we will be quite an interesting opportunity out there for investors, I'll put it that way. And we become indispensable. At the same time, they don't have to dump the other marketing stuff they're doing. Keep doing it. If you can show an ROI, by all means. But we now become a great measure because they can look at us and say, I'm going to start with Hound because I know exactly what I'm going to pay and why I'm paying it. And then I'll augment them with additional advertising and additional marketing. Public relations, absolutely. We strongly encourage you to keep doing that and leaning into it. But uh, yeah, we're, we're taking on a lot of the risk, but that's isn't that what entrepreneurs do? It is. I mean, there's followers and there's leaders. I mean, as a PR firm, we're constantly struggling to drive our CEOs out out there, get their name out there, that authority leadership. And um, it's a risk. You know, we all take the risk. We all go out of our way to ensure our clients and companies are successful. Above, I mean, just it's at the end of the day, we're all in the same business. Wake up, create a legacy, make money. And I love, you know, that you guys are doing this. But can you kind of walk me through a great example of what you would actually do? For a company, are you then kind of in a twofold? Are you applying that same DNA and methodology to Hound, which is how you guys became successful and maintain your leadership through this past year? Well, let me flip that around then in, in the order of answer. And yeah, go backwards. We're trying to find partners and vendors 
who have a similar business model and mentality to us. It's not easy. There's very few performance-based companies out there, but they're beginning to show up. You know, give you an example, you know, huge risk 20 years ago when Salesforce got started. Now they become a huge, expensive, hard-to-use beast. So we went with a totally different product than Salesforce about uh, six months ago. Far better, far more cost-effective for us, a little more performance-focused. Same with partners that we're trying to pull on. So we're, we're trying to lead with the argument that it's our job as a vendor to take the risk and deliver results. COVID made that doubly so. Uh, the other thing we've done is that we, we have seven tools. They can work together or we interview and actually give free consulting to our new clients and figure out which of our seven tools are best to lean into with them early and get them started on that. Five of them are purely digital tools. We do 2.5 million emails a day in the US and we have extremely good open rates because none of our emails are mass emails. They're all one-to-one, branded for the business, about an offer a consumer can take quickly. And then we have two digital tools. One, in fact, was a big announcement for us today. We just bought our vendor, Powered Local. It's a very, very cool Wi-Fi tool for free Wi-Fi consumer access in businesses out of Australia. So I now have Hound Australia employees and, and team. And then we have a partnership with a company that does digital screens inside businesses. And all of these tools have the same ideas that it should be dead simple to use. We're going to run it for you. And the whole idea is to get a consumer to take action. So that, we, whether it's a small business or a large enterprise organization, they all have access to the similar set of tools. And so we rinse and repeat. So we try and find partners that are like us. And then we find businesses that fit our profile. And it's important. And this is the really fun side of what we do. We have, a, we have a mission that's focused on helping a million businesses, but it's also focused on more entertainment businesses. They have two, one thing in common. They're all our brick and mortar merchants. So the ones who are suffering the most are who, who our clients are. And it's our need to figure out how to survive and thrive. But they're in broad industries of uh, entertainment. So family entertainment centers and theater and tourism in restaurants and then health and beauty. So we, we call that fun, yum, and zen, so we can remember it. So we've got fun industries we target with people who are definitely anxious and if downright desperate for the kind of help we can provide. And oh, by the way, they don't have to pay us until we deliver something. So that's kind of the, we, we just repeated that. In fact, we doubled our, the number of businesses we had on board in the last 12 months during this horrible pandemic. Amazing. And what I've noticed about the hound and people out there who want to take a look at it, it's H-O-W-N-D.com. But taking a look at some of the people that you've sponsored with and who sponsor you and also who you partner with are a list of government organizations, which means that they are very serious about trying to get back into the game when it comes to their business development and also bringing up uh, economic development. Great insight. Thank you. And I did not prompt Joe for that. So I'm thrilled that our communications out there is enough that that was clear to pick up. In fact, Casa Grande, I love the mayor there, is one of 15 cities in the state of Arizona. And I'm going to circle back to Tempe. They called us literally, it was a year ago yesterday. The governor had just started shutting down all the businesses and, you know, appropriately so, but still painful as heck. They said, we need help. We need to help our businesses. We need to be seen as helping our businesses. Would you be open to sponsorship from the city? And within two hours, they came back and we did a verbal agreement. We thought this is the right thing to do. They were willing to put taxpayer money to work with us because we could show them an ROI that was crystal clear. And the partnership we developed with Tempe, Tempe Chamber of Commerce, they were the ones who introduced us in there. 
Tempe Tourism, Downtown Tempe Authority, and the East Valley uh, Hispanic Chamber of Commerce was extraordinary in its unique private public sector approach to solving problems. So they needed to be seen as doing something for the merchants. We were the tool that they led with. And they sponsored us by prepaying for all those merchants getting on. You know, the only fee the merchant pays for, for a year, Tempe stood up and paid for that. And the ROI we showed for the taxpayer dollar was $12. For every dollar of city money, we had 12 consumer dollars going back into the businesses. And that was a very, very conservative number. We only tracked the, our promotions, not other additional. So then Tucson stepped right up. Mesa, Gilbert, the Arizona Office of Tourism did. And now we're in Kansas and Florida with similar models. So that was our first step in, quite frankly, reinventing the way private partnerships work. And it's a new way to sell softwares, be a economic development tool, and the municipalities will love to support you. And I imagine with uh, the way COVID is, you know, not on the wane, I I don't want to jinx it by that, but just hopefully that people are are getting their vaccinations and then... uh, People are, and I know that some analysts are saying that this uh, summer could be the revenge of the vacation when it comes to people traveling. I'm sure that you guys are ready to take on something as big as what we could see coming up starting in June, July, and August. Uh, yeah, let me address that in two different ways. We're, we're ready. We actually have some very interesting partnerships we're developing. Three, two of them very huge companies that will again change the way we do business in a good way and help them with tools and solutions they can't provide to small business and, and franchises nationwide. The third is a tool that I, I'll, I'll, full disclosure, I'm going to be a strategic advisor for them, and in so much so that I think Hound is also taking a stake in them, that will allow a consumer through to show vaccination status and or recent testing status without exposing their own medical information. Okay. This is huge. It's a Tempe company that we've partnered with, because I'll tell you right now, the other answer to your question is COVID's not going away. COVID's going to be suppressed. COVID's going to be less risky for most of us who get vaccinations. The great thing about the vaccinations is they're 100% efficacy, hard word to say today, for, for death, but they still can get you sick and you can pass it along to others. And not everyone can get the vaccination and many will actually choose not to. So the variants that are happening around the world are pretty bad. And so even the Makers of the vaccinations are saying, you got to prepare to have a kind of a convoluted approach to business for, for months, if not years to come. So we're there to help. We're also looking at other solutions to help even more. It's not just Hound is going to be out there. And one of them is this uh, company, I can't disclose their name yet, but I'm under NDA, but really cool solution that protects your privacy, yet will allow you to go to places far more risk-free, either with vaccinations or testing. So, so the beauty of the capitalist, especially you know, like us, we're conscious capitalist system, is that if you're mission driven and stuff like this happens, some of the best ideas are coming out of the U.S. and the entrepreneurial community to solve really, really big problems. And you know, the Fortune 100 stepped up, too, with the, the vaccination speed. So it's been an extraordinary year of learning, that's for sure. I mean, but we are going to have vaccination cards. We all have to show already what 72 hours prior to travel anywhere. They're going to try to make it like passports or vaccination cards. Without that, you just can't travel and go out of the country. So, I mean, I, there's a few companies that we know of that are using on your mobile phone. Just like the Apple, no matter what you have, there's an app that shows your whole thing. They don't care about your background, your history. 
just, yes, here's when you've been vaccinated. Here's when, you know, you had it last. So I think that's a natural progression during this pandemic. So I do think we have another year or so, but they're opening back up. I know there's a few venues here that are opening back up. There's a lot of like Disneyland, it's travel tourism, but I don't know if they actually thought of through, you know, show us your vaccine, show us your card. I still think there's a lot that needs to go into this. We're still a ways away to figure out how to streamline the system to get in out the door safely. And, and it's not a reason to not wear your mask. But I do agree with you. We are going to hit herd immunity, hopefully over the summer, but it's still, I mean, there's no there there. We don't know about this pandemic. This hasn't been around long enough to really know the repercussions down the road long term. So you have your health you're worried about, but I think the business health to get through the unknown is what we need to start paying attention to now that we know the vaccine's out. Well, the business health is our entire focus, smart business health. You know, we have to remember, and Arizona is a classic case of this, tourism is one of the biggest, and hospitality are two of the biggest industries in the country. We are dependent on foreign tourism. Let's be crystal clear about that. Without that coming back, we're still going to have some significant economic downturn. Guess what? The U.S. has got the most vaccines in the world. The rest of the world are trying to catch up. Do we shut them down completely? I think the answer is going to be no. Or do we take another extreme and say anybody can come? That doesn't seem to make sense. But then to answer to your your point about the um, vaccine cards, I can replicate that in 30 minutes with Photoshop. That's not going to work. And yet, do I want my full health data in a software app that the data could be going anywhere in the world? Many people like me aren't going to do that. I've been around tech for 30 years. I am not going to be carrying all my medical data in a device and with software that is not foolproof. Now, if you're on an Apple, you might be a little safer. But so the other solutions that do exist out there are coming and they are nearly impossible to forge. They're smart, but they're also, they maintain your privacy while still giving you access. So this is going to be interesting. I, I agree with you. The digital passports are being discussed, but that is a real Pandora's box we're opening. If you Yeah, but I think it is in general, because like we're a tech PR firm. So I've spent the past 15, 16 years deep diving into the tech, the fun and the not so fun tech. And we all have a digital footprint. We're all on social. I mean, it is what it is. We all have a digital footprint. I know my health, because I have a Cedar Sinai. I know you guys would have uh, mail there, whatever. I, I could just log into Cedars and get all the messages, the notes, blood testers, whatever it is. I guess it's different. I'm not the person. And it, it, there's no judgment. Everybody has a difference of opinion of what they want to share and what they feel their digital footprint's going to be. I personally have no issue that I use the Cedars app on my phone to figure out my doctor's numbers and to figure out what's going on in surgery. I mean, that doesn't bother me, I, regardless of where that, how scalable it is. Like you said, didn't think about this. Let's PowerPoint and Photoshop the vaccine card. And I realized people do fake driver's licenses and passports all the time. Of course, they're going to consider that. But it's, it's astounding to me. Why would you? I mean, okay, I get it. Criminals, fake driver's licenses, passports, social securities, laundering money, drug running, whatever you're going to do, that's on you. But this is actual life and death. This is somebody's health. This is somebody you're going to could possibly get sick and die. So I never really thought who would make a fake vaccine card. But then again, if you want to skip the country, it makes sense to me. So there's got to be better ways to do it. But I just think as a whole, like what I've always said when I did my book came out in September, why we created the podcast. 
I'm a big believer you must lean on tech to thrive and survive through this. If you can't be creative, lean on the tech that we've had, but we've been so afraid to use it. We are not going to get through this and we've got to get through this together. And I've seen so much innovation and tech coming out and it's exciting to see, like you said, there's a good and a bad to everything we go through. There's always, you know, yin and yang, dark and light. It was a dark moment for us, but the light in the tunnel, people are getting more creative, figuring out ways to not just get people back out there on a business healthy level, but to creating new things that for the rest of our lives, we now have a new normal, a new future based on things that we were forced to create. And so, and I love that, but I don't know, there's a different conversation on the digital and mobile footprints because Joe and I talked about this. People didn't want to get vaccines because these conspiracists, there's chips in them for the government. I'm laughing because we had a guy on our podcast, Zoltan from San Francisco, who's a transhuman, trans, what is it, Joe? What was Zoltan? Transhuman behaviorist or transhumanist. And, you know, he got the chip put in years ago. And I'm laughing because it has your name, your social, your credit card and everything. And I'm like, just, you know, we already have, we're already chipped. People could track us on our cell phones. My big issue is not so much the footprint on my phone. It's how do we get back to where we were pre-COVID, just smarter, more consistent? Because we had a great podcast with the digital bank on the PPP side. We are not going to bounce back just because there's vaccines. We're not going to bounce back on another PPP. We have to still fight, be cautious, and figure out how to get the revenues back in, how to get in front of eyeballs. And I love that you're doing this because at Joey's point, travel, people are going to start traveling. They're already saying, book your tickets now because people are just going to just out the door, get the hell out, let's go. And the airlines are going to jack up all their costs to make all the money. The resorts are. So I think it's going to be interesting, but I feel like the hotels and all these people on the travel side, they need better tools to reach the market than what they've had. Otherwise, they're not going to survive the rush. I I agree with quite a bit of that, but on the jacking up the prices... There's always a but. Yeah, There's always a but. But here's the thing is, Arizona, we'll take that as one example. The governor has said 55% of Arizonans have said they're interested in getting vaccinated. Well, think about that. I mean, it's 45% for some reason said they're not. That's going to change dynamics. But that's the same as California. It's the anti-vaxxers. Well, it's not just anti-vaxxers, people who've got legitimate concerns. So, But let's just take it as a fact that X percent of the population won't. At the same time, those, whether vaccinated or not, what people have lost over the last year, and this is, I'm, I'm going to get really centric to the, the people we serve, the, the brick and mortar merchants, they've lost their habits. I have to think harder. Which restaurants am I going to? Now, I've got a couple of favorite ones I go to quite a bit, but there's a ton out there that I used to stop by once in a while. And now, and you have to think hard about that. And then you, I've given up a lot of my original entertainment habits. I used to love going to the movie theater. You know, I have no idea what the movie theater is going to do to reclaim the habit of going. It's going to take quite a while to get me in the door. And how are they going to reach me? I don't watch broadcast TV. I don't even, in fact, I'm cut the cord, cable cord. I'm, I'm heavy into, you know, the, the, the paid for the Netflix and Amazon Primes and Disney. The Disney one's silly, but... It's not silly. We just talked about me. that. My I'm kids a- are a little bit older, not in the home. So it's, I feel silly saying <laughs> I have Disney, but I do. Uh, is, is it wrong for me to say I like the musicals they have on it? Yeah. Okay. Not at all. So the habit building is what we're going to help them do. And the challenge is it's extremely expensive. And Facebook is making it more and more so to do general advertising. And Facebook is crucial to a lot of companies. 
But the less focused you are, the more they're charging you. And there's this bad cycle happening right out now. You can talk to any business owner who's used Facebook for advertising, their costs are exploding. So we walk in and say, well, we can help you. There's not a lot of risk. We're not going to recover all your customers, but we certainly can help in a large number of them. And here's the tools that we have. So that, that create, recreating the habit is a great opportunity for businesses that are a little bit more forward thinking, maybe even aggressive to go claim new customers and get them to start a habit with them. I think it's the ones who are still sitting back and saying, oh, people are just going to walk in the door. They'll come back. Mm, uh, I feel a little bad for them. So my job is to, <laughs> is to educate them about the opportunities, educate them about my fear. The next, next two quarters are crucial for them. But they need to be thinking about what is the consumer truly thinking today? What are they doing sitting at home again? How can I safely get them in the door? And uh, how can I make... You know, that until they visit three times, it's not going to be a habit. How can I get them to do that? So well, it's, brand, it's brand loyalty is what it is. I mean, average, brands have our three goals are to attract new clients, customers, retain their existing ones and maximize their space in the market. All three of those have been taken away during COVID. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that brand loyalty going into COVID, you're not going to have it coming out unless you made strategic efforts throughout COVID and now that we're quasi going back to normal to bring them all back in again. And a lot of the brands don't understand that brand loyalty. People, consumers are more loyal to the brand when they know the backstory, when it's authentic and they can relate to it and they can help be part of the story. So a lot of this is brand. I mean, it is public relations, but it's also brand loyalty and that brand loyalty from a digital platform, B2B, B2C, traffic generating, it's it's a much bigger picture now than just being in a silo of I'll do marketing, I'll do SEO, we'll do PR. Yes, it's all critical more than ever, but you've got to look at the whole synergistic wheel of how to gain and keep that brand loyalty. Because a lot of places are gone that I didn't even know about. So we like, same as you, I'm like, oh, where am I going to go? But at the same time, I'm seeing new places pop up right and left in LA. And some of the areas have just been decimated from COVID, riots, and all the political rift. So I do think people need to step up. And they've always been like, well, I don't want to spend the budget on marketing, PR, SEO, and all this stuff. I got to focus on right now. But if they don't focus on all of these things and the trajectory down the road, there's not going to be any there there for them to survive through. If they don't embrace all this now. No, but the, I, I agree with you on that. And the but is they've also got more complicated jobs. I and mean, we not just in this country, but I, I'm focusing here because this is where we're focused. The entrepreneurial activity and the creative ideas have just exploded at the local level. The challenge is they've got more complicated jobs. Uh, hiring people right now in, in the restaurant business, impossible. Oh, by the way, I have to make sure there's a still social distancing, even though I allegedly can allow full capacity. How do I keep my cleanliness levels up? Uh, you know, the, the list is endless. So their jobs have become more complicated. There's less money walking in the door, so their margins are crushed. And they're, they're also the other thing that we don't talk about much, but the, the um, supply chain was severely disrupted for a lot of these businesses. Yeah. Now, when you, when you close your doors in a restaurant for three months and you open back up, do you think that the food is just waiting for you? The same is true in the health and beauty space. If you're, if you're running a nail salon and you had to close or your vendor had to close, what do you do for supply? So the complicated effort of running a business now has just skyrocketed yet just like you said sarah they have to be out there in front of them and you know they they've only got 24 hours in a day if they're lucky to uh to do all this so it's again our simple approach 
we're the right product, right service at the right time. We're also not the only solution for any of them. But we love that we're able to quickly make, help them make decisions, quickly get some results in the door for them. And uh, you know, unlike some of the other businesses out there that do kind of what we do, we put money directly into their hands. We don't, we don't get in between them and the, and the customer. If the customer buys a gift card, it goes right into their account, not to ours. So there's a lot of friction we've removed, but they also have to know about us, find us, and get involved. So we're, we're yeah. here to help them thrive. Any, any help you can get about uh, putting the word out for us would be greatly appreciated. Well, I, I think the thing is, because I at least know in California, we did shut down, opened up like the gyms for three weeks, shut back down again. It's been shut down since then. So we kind of shut down twice, went on a harder lockdown. So it's been really hard for these companies. We're talking about supply chain. Some companies kind of bucked the trend, stayed open, got penalized, so they got shut down. And it's been very tough for them. But there's a company that I love that I've actually been stocking. So I'm going to send them this podcast. It's, um, what is it, Joe? Shipyard Brewery. Where they were Shipyard the largest, Brewery in Maine. Largest yeah. cap brewery. But instead of shutting down, cleaned the vats, got the beer and bubbles and hops up and turned it into making sanitizer like crazy. They were creative. They, to me, kept their brand loyalty. They pivoted. I know um, Lancome's CEO did a big thing. They pivoted. Instead of doing all the testers, they were full of the beauty masks that were branded, the sanitizers and pretty things. Some of these people got creative, substantial. They turned what they know into something different, took the heat, they took the loss in revenues, but now they've kept their brand loyalty because people want to keep the loyalty to companies who do good back to the consumers, not the ones that don't. For beauty and health, makeup is tough because you can't do samples anymore. There's, so Sephora's giving you more beauty points to redeem. You've got to keep the brand loyalty up. And I think right now, that brand loyalty through all these efforts of what Hound's doing is probably more critical than ever. To, and I don't know if it's... I mean, small companies need all the help they could get. But I'm assuming you're doing Hound is for small, large. It doesn't matter. It's scalable based on the needs of the company, correct? Yeah. yeah. And especially since even if it's a large company, they may, they'll have many small outlets. Great example is one of our clients, newer clients called Spavia. They're um, a great spa, mid-tier spa company. 51 locations. We did a top-down approach with the, the founder, yet it's 51 individual businesses we're also working with. So we have that flexibility. We can scale, but it's not like we're trying to land an Intel corporation or anything like that. So yeah, that's why it's the brick and mortar merchants is a sweet spot for us. All the family entertainment centers have been devastated. We're doing a lot of work with, believe it or not, the roller rinks in the country. We're, we've even helped launch their free kids skate free program. We, we built it and didn't charge them anything to allow hundreds of rinks to give kids free roller skating a couple hours a week. You know, little things like that. Talk about brand loyalty. We're, there's an, an interesting industry who exercise has become more important than ever. So does entertainment. They combine the two when suddenly roller skating is really coming back into vogue in the country. And they've got this kids skate free program that 200 of the 600 rinks in the country use to give kids and, and their parents a little bit of a break. So I'm seeing that kind of entrepreneurism and, to go back to your doing good and building a brand, we're seeing stories like that all over the place. So, like, so, like, so all the amusement parks in California are opening April 1st, Disneyland, Universal Studios. Disneyland had this pass. As much as you want to go, instead of paying 200 bucks, it's like 600 for the year. Go as many times as you want, wherever you want. It's now like three grand. But, and they're opening, but they're going to get maybe 25, not even 25%, yeah, 
maximum in this monster park, they're not going to sustain the park opening. So I feel like places like that, travel tourism, this is a huge tool for them. And, you know, because in the travel, we talked about Roatan earlier, the hotels. I mean, these people need as much help as they can get. But my question is, not so much your selling process, but this is almost a tool to get people on board. Because if I'm a small business, I don't have the big budgets to do all this, but you're saying I don't pay you unless I'm successful. So in a way, it's not just helping us bring traffic in a new business. It's keeping my marketing or I don't know what you're doing, marketing or my traffic generator budgets low because I'm not giving you an outlay of money up front until the business comes in. So to me, that's a brilliant move. If I'm a brick and mortar and I don't know what your basic costs are, but like say, I don't want to give you guys three or four grand a month. I could barely keep our doors open. But when I start getting clients in, I start paying. So I also think it's a really good way to get them back without that sticker shock that I think yeah. everybody's hitting right now. Well, plus the employee cost to run, you know, a a marketing automation system or a, even a you know email system. You you have to pay someone to do it, and you know email itself has become overwhelming for people. Why people sign up for newsletters from restaurants? I have no idea. So we take a lot of that burden, not just the cost of the upfront advertising, but the other cost of running it off their plate. Again, we can encourage them to keep doing what's working for them, but drop the stuff that's not, and let us help you. Whether we drive 10 new customers a, a, a week or you know, 100 a month in the door, it's all going to be upside that didn't cost you much effort or money. And our costs are as low as 80 cents if you're like a novelty ice cream shop, $1.20 for a coffee place. Is that per lead? Yeah, per paying customer, not just a lead. They means they've bought a gift card or they've got a coupon they came in and used. A sit-down restaurant it's four, with table-side service is $4.85. You may spend, there might be four people who come in with a gift card they bought and they spend $200. We charge them $4.85. And there's no, no catch in what I'm telling you on this. They don't, if they stop, if they said, hey, it's not working very well, or I don't, I just don't like it for whatever reason, they just stop using us. No contract that holds them to bear. And unlike the, you know, the Groupons of the world where they require 50% discount and they hold their money for 60 days, we do neither of that. They, they don't share their discounts with us. In fact, we encourage, the other part of marketing is discounting is not always a good idea. Value added works far better when it comes to the more higher end restaurants and brands and health and beauty places. So I would think of all these hotels, because hotels are still limited, at least here in California. I would think the hotels would be a tremendous. There's so many. I, I get so many emails of incentives with some of these hotels down mm -hmm. in Terrania and the, and the montage down in La Jolla, buy one night, get one free. But I'm getting the emails and I'm getting so much, I just delete, delete, delete. But I feel like the hotel industry, which is what you said, the travel, the hotel industry, this is exactly what they need and what they need to do to rebuild back into the brand loyalty to get people back out there safely. Well, Arizona Office of Tourism even sponsored some cities to get on our platform, some of the smaller rural cities. In fact, that's how Casa Grande came on board. Apache Junction. These are all places. Well, you, you might know, Sarah, you're from here originally. I feel uh, an easy girl. I just have to Entertainment District. And they're all sponsored by Arizona Office of Tourism. And what they have told us point blank, all tourism is local tourism for the next six to 12 months. Yeah. So our job as, as people helping this economy recovery recover is to help drive more local drive time tourism. It's the Schnepp Farms down 45 minutes away in Queen Creek. It's also what's extreme 
up in Flagstaff, which is actually one of our clients who does uh, the zip lining up up there. It's about getting people up to Kingman who may have thought, well, well, you know, I haven't really driven up there. It's four hours drive. I normally would fly to Vegas or something. Go to see Route 66 and you'll find that there's 20 or 25 different businesses we support up there. So our job is really to try and lock into that local tourism. And while we're an Arizona-based company, we are absolutely all over the country. We just have more merchants in certain places than others. I, mean, I was you know. just going to ask if you're outside of AZ, because I love so many people who just took off, did the road trips across country, up Northern California to Vegas, Texas, Montana. They just took off for a month or two. And yeah. maybe nobody really knew they were trying to figure out where the incentives, what's open, where do we go? So I do. There was a show in Vegas I went to pre-COVID with one of our sports clients. It was sports travel. So it was like a show where every travel and tourism department for every major city and state and chamber was set up there because they were all there on the sports tourism and stuff. And so it's so funny because some of these conversations were conversations I had three, four years ago, you know, when I was there with these guys. And now I think right now, like in hindsight, they probably wish they had more access to what you guys are doing. Because I think it's such a key to survival. I, I, it's going to happen. Well, some of these sports organizations are a little complacent. I'm going to be blunt. I'm shocked at some of the things. I, some of them are okay that they're only 25% capacity because they're all getting their salaries. We're trying to work with some of them on that with one of our other partners. They're, they're 25% because people couldn't go. Because we've talked to, I mean, I we've talked to and I've worked with a few big sports teams and it has been hard for them because like anybody else, yes, they're billions of dollars NBA, but they have had a cut staff workers in the stadiums because there's no stadiums open. Dodgers are now saying July, we could put butts back in the seats and we're going to start to get Clippers and Lakers into 25%. They got to come back safely based on science and math. But I know the sports teams have been hemorrhaging money. They're, they're not PPP types of companies, but I do know a few of them do embrace digital and mobile and technology and they are grinding their teams to figure out to get the brand loyalty. People are diehard sports fans, so it's easier for some teams than others, but there are a lot of them that are looking to bring the people back in the seats safely, securely, which goes to my question I meant to ask earlier on the messaging and the creative. You guys also create the creative on that because I could send out 20 million emails to my sports team to get them back in, but my messaging has got to be so authentic for their safety, not just come back, get a free beer, buy one, get one free. You've got to really resonate that authenticity, that safety, that brand loyalty to get them to come back in the seats. Well, we're, because we're so focused on the transaction, all of our emails going out to every, to the consumer, or if they come to a a website and see a digital pop-up of ours, one, they're talking to that consumer about that brand. We're not, it's not about hound when we send them out. And two, particularly for the the things like franchises, we help them set their messaging that they then would have across the entire network. Now, each local franchise still has the ability to, to, to tweak that message, but terms and conditions and overall brand positioning, we help them set and, and scale that across the entire network, which we're very unusual that way because we're, we're a B to B to C company. I think where there's some challenges is what we're not doing is creative work. We build these tools for them. We run it for them. But if they want to talk about the bigger picture, they also, that's where public relations, that's where radio comes into play. That's where print's going to come into play. They need to make sure they're firing on all cylinders 
to tell their story everywhere. We're only one component of a way yeah. they tell it. Now, if they shouldn't be advertising or using our service, if they really aren't trying to get people in the door and they can do so safely, we're pretty clear about that. In fact, we've had... You're the delivery. You're the delivery. Like, like we're yeah. PR, so we're about telling the narrative, telling the story to give to you. Then you drive it out into the masses. Exactly. But do you have like, do you like, how, who are those masses? Like, do we give you the list? Do you, do, you know, you throw out your research and the technology? Do you say, okay, given who you are, the target market, give us the messaging. We have the market for you. No, no, this is one of the, on, another unique aspect of our business. Before we first and foremost start with who do you already know to the business? So upload your customer list. We will politely email to them a one-to-one message about you, about a promotion. Put our pop-up on your website. We will 3x to 6x the conversions you have on your website because most businesses really don't do it well. So we immediately put a promotion up there or ask to you know join the, the the birthday list. We tie into their social media. We also then have these public uh, portals that all the cities have loved to promote. You know, the city of Mesa or Tucson or Tempe, where they've got hundreds of businesses listing their promotions through Hound. We help them capture more data with Wi-Fi tool. So a lot of our stuff is organic, and then we have an app. Uh, our consumer brand is My Hound M Y H O W N D. And the app will show you within a 10 to 20 mile radius, all of the businesses who are participating. So we have a lot of different ways that we pull in consumers organically. And then our last one is screens. We're going to be in a lot of restaurants and bars that we're going to help take over some of their TVs, which are showing useless content, instead provide better digital signage and give them some real-time ability to market to the people who already are inside their facility. So that alone is working for the couple thousand, I think we have about 4,000 rooftops. In addition, we have a massive database of consumers that we're going to start to market to. More generic messaging, no business-specific messaging. The reason we can do all this and the reason consumers can trust us is we're not in the business of selling people's data. Our job is to absolutely know our consumers much better deliver them far more targeted promotions over time. But we're compliant from day one with Europe, California, and Canadian privacy laws. And we're the uh, antithesis of those companies who collect data and then sell it on. We do just the opposite. So it's a growing beast that we're they're building here. Beast is the hound joke. But uh, it, again, it's not going to necessarily work magic for every single company out there. But we think we found a, a tool that's going to help them thrive without a whole lot of effort and certainly user virtually no risk in, in doing dealing with us. So I ask you five, five years from now, what is the one lesson these businesses are going to take with them five years from now? What would be the one thing that they're going to remember and take with them? Focus like hell on what the consumer is really looking for and deliver it. Now we're, yeah, I'm going to a restaurant. I'm not just going there for food. I'm going there for experience. I'm going there with safety in mind. Keep focusing like hell on what the consumer is walking in the door for. And if you lean into that, you probably won't go wrong. Okay, so I know we're going to have time, Eric, but I, I just have a quick question. You said you're my hound app. Are you guys LBS-based? So if I'm walking around, you could tell who the consumer is and pop the messages of discounts to drag me into their store? Or are you guys not using the LBS based on that? When you say LBS, you mean uh, GPS. We, we are GPS-based, and we were that for, for one Crystal clear reason, it's a great way to ensure a consumer is on site when they use your promotion. We aren't aggressive about popping up discounts. In fact, we don't even use the word discounts because a lot of what our businesses are doing are value-added 
you know, buy a $100 gift card, you get an additional $20 one. Do we remind them if they've already captured a gift card or consumer and they're near that store? Yes. But we're not going to be abusive, and that's what it is, by over pushing, you know, every, every 50 feet down uh, Hollywood Boulevard, you have another pop-up coming. We really try and limit our messaging to the consumer. Uh, and the more artificial intelligence we build into our system, the more likely the messaging will get better and better and better for them. That's that's the next 12 to 18 months of work that we've got to do. So when I come home and I'm walking by Coldstone Creamery, I'll get a little alert. Hey, come on in, buy one, get one free. You might see that. Not yet from Coldstone. They should be on board. Um, but... <laughs> we talked about this. So Joe, when I come home, we'll chatty. I'll get you a cold. I'll get you an ice cream cone. And I do have, I just downloaded the MyHound app. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And you, you're going to find there's a bunch of stuff in Tucson. Tucson's been the economic development director, Barbara, in Tucson was, I got to say, I'm going to just do one pitch. The economic development directors around the country, from the folks in Tempe and Tucson and Mesa and Gilby, you know, right down the list, uh, in Winter Garden, Florida, to me are the unsung heroes of economic development and recovery. They were behind the scenes, working with us and many other businesses to make shit happen that most consumers and taxpayers will have no idea. And Barbara in Tucson was one of those. She got it what we did. She moved us through quickly. I mean, we did agreements with cities in seven days. It was unheard of because they knew how desperate the businesses were. And if we could help get $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 that month into a business, it's probably going to cover their rent and keep some of their employees engaged. So, so in Tucson, I'd love to get your feedback on how it works for you down there. And okay. uh, I really a shout out to those folks. You know, a lot of government people have done a lot of great work in this country over the last 12 months at the local level. And uh, it, it's been humbling, to say the least, to be involved with them. Nice. Oh my God, it was so good to have you on the show, Eric. I feel like this is such a longer conversation of how to bring small businesses and big businesses back into the market. So I think we definitely need to have you come back again in a few months to talk about now that we're moving back, you know, where the success rates are, what's working, what's not working. Cause this is such an ongoing conversation that needs to be had more and more on a public platform. I'd love to, and also come back with some specifics. You know, the, what, what people are doing wrong from my perspective is also what they're doing right. It's not just about Hound, of course. It's We're all about economic development and recovery. The health pain of the pandemic is terrible, but now we're seeing the other pain that's coming, which are, you know, literally businesses, people have owned their entire lives being ripped apart and, and those extended families as well. So everything we all can keep doing is only going to help. Uh, we have to. We're We're on a mission. You're on a mission. And so I'd love to be back on in a few months and see what, what progress we've made helping. Perfect. It was so good to have you on the show, Eric. Joe, always a good podcast day with you. Yes, definitely. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider or on the Evergreen Podcast Network. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.